Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Seven words that'll scare any politician. Roy Green is holding on line one. The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network continues. The uh, new Conservative Party leader, Andrew Scheer, is going to be joining us in about 25 minutes. We spoke with Mr. Scheer yesterday, and then last night he won the party leadership, and uh, he'll speak with us at the half hour. I think he's going to do just fine, just fine. We're joined by uh, two people I have a tremendous amount of respect for, and we're going to speak to the issue of terror attacks, politicians' generally vacuous statements after such horrific attacks and what has to be done. Rahil Raza at RahilRaza.com is the president of the Council of Muslims Facing Tomorrow. She's a Canadian author, their jihad, not my jihad, public speaker, educator, consultant for interfaith and intercultural diversity. And uh, Rahil writes in her most recent column, Manchester, How Do We Grieve With You, that, quote, the single most effective weapon the enemy uses is Islamophobia. Rahil, good to speak with you again. Thank you for having me. Also back with us, Dr. Zudi Jasser, the founder of the American Islamic Forum for Democracy. He's the author of The Battle for the Soul of Islam, former U.S. Navy Lieutenant Commander. He's a cardiologist and past president of the Arizona Medical Association. Zudi, uh, it's been a while. Thank you so much for coming back on. Thank you. It's always great to be with you, Roy, and humbling to join uh, Rahil. Good to be on with you. Hello, Zudi. Hi. Let me start with this. Um, following the Manchester attack, we heard the politicians mouthing platitudes again. We hear, Manchester, we stand with you. No one will destroy our free societies. We will win this generational war. Uh, there's nothing wrong with saying this, but it seems to be the core message, and I really don't want these people leading me down a wide open street in the middle of the day, let alone leading the battle against terror also had the uh, Lord Mayor of London saying, essentially, get used to it. It's part and parcel of living in a big city. He's been loudly criticized for saying that. But is he correct, given the overall um, response that we're hearing? Rahil, let me ask you to please start with, with this. For anyone to say get used to it is, uh, you know, really taking the coward's way out. Uh, this is not the way the, the world, the glo global society, deals with. Uh, issues like this with terrorism. Since 9-11, we've had politicians saying exactly that, you know, either looking for uh, reasons, it's a lone wolf, when you know that it's never a lone wolf. And uh, the platitudes, uh, our organization, we are fed up of that. It's time for action. How many more children have to be killed before we stand up and take action? Uh, you know, after the fact, we have law enforcement in many of these cases saying, that they knew the suspect, that they, knew they had been tracking them. Well, my question is, why didn't they do anything? So I think we are definitely over and done with, with the platitudes. And yes, of course, we are all sorry. Always 
uh, very saddened and deeply, deeply hurt when something like this happens. But it's not enough to just say words anymore. It's time to do what actually Dr. Joseph coined the word, tough love, and, uh, you know, start taking some action. So, Sudi, uh, what kind of action has to be taken? And is the fact that we hear these platitudes over and over again, does it suggest that they're devoid of ideas or are they just unwilling to take the steps that are necessary to be taken because it's a politically correct world? Yeah, I think, Roy, there's a couple of things going on. One is this sort of ethnocentrism where everything just sort of uh, focuses on Muslim minority and, and the West and what use they can have in using that minority for political partisan issues and sort of checks the box that they're defending the minority and they're ignoring where Canada, where the U.S., where the West is right now in history. And the Islamic world, these acts of terror being done in London and in the West and San Bernardino and elsewhere are simply the tip of the iceberg of a, a roiling revolution that's happening inside the hearts of Muslims. And Muslims are a quarter of the world's population. And as much as it has been refreshing to see President Trump sort of identify the issues, change this sort of uh, left uh, um, anesthesia, if you will, uh, he also saw the opening of a counterterrorism center in Riyadh. And that is in many ways absurd because the Saudis are no more going to change the ideas that are the underbelly of this than uh, uh, any of the radicals are. And the issue is, is we need to do the work in the West that you can only do in the West, which is to begin to confront the nonviolent ideas that are the precursors. This guy, before he put on his suicide belt, for months and years was being conditioned by nonviolent Islamist groups and the left to say that America was the problem, the West was the problem, it is our fault, the Muslims are, are persecuted, they're victims. All the Muslims killed in the Muslim world are not killed by their own tyrants, but they're killed by Western policies. These are parts of the radicalization process that we need to finally address, and you can only do it here in Canada and in the U.S. You just can't do it in the Middle East. Rahil, um, in the column that you wrote about Manchester, you wrote this. The single greatest weapon terrorists have and use is the word Islamophobia. Explain that, please. Well, in Canada, we now have uh, motion, you know, M103, uh, which is uh, a motion about Islamophobia and this idea of the victim ideology. No matter what happens, there are Islamist groups right here in Canada who are telling Muslims that you are the victim. Uh, the first thing that you need to be careful about is that you know uh, you are not being attacked or that you are not being maligned. And this becomes uh, you know a tool for them. This concept of Islamophobia, the concept of victimhood, and you know uh, Zudi just mentioned this as well. Uh, the whole concept of the nonviolent extremism, the nonviolent uh, jihad, is to build up this ideology among our youth that no matter what happens and where it happens, that they are somehow the victims. And in Canada, it's very big, as you know. When the, there was a, there is a connection to the Manchester bomber with an Ottawa imam. And, you know, this was published in the National Post by Stuart Bell. So we just have to connect the dots. None of these incidents, no matter where they happen, whether it was Florida, San Bernardino, uh, Canada, Manchester, they're all connected. It's all part of the same evil ideology. It's all part of the same virus. And, you know, you have a doctor on the line, he'll tell you if there's a virus, it needs to be acknowledged, identified, isolated, and then eliminated. 
we are at the first level where we can't even sit down around a table together, Muslims, non-Muslims, civil society, our law enforcement, and talk about the issues so we can put together some strategies to deal with this before it's too late. Uh, when, uh, when is it too late, uh, Zudi? I, I had an email about half an hour ago, and I'd mentioned you were going to be on, and, and, and someone wrote, what about Portland? And referring to that individual who, I think it was yesterday, began to berate uh, two Muslim young women, one wearing a hijab, and then he decided uh, he was confronted by people on, on the uh, train, I think it was, and he took out a knife and he killed two people who were intervening and stabbed someone else. Um, and now we find out that he's a white supremacist and he's had criminal um, record. But people start to look at that and say, well, that's one side of it and Manchester the other. How do we resolve this and are more of these situations inevitable? I don't know if I'm making. I don't know if I'm presenting the the argument or the or the question properly. Oh, you are, and and uh, the the issue is we have to be careful not to fall into this sort of moral equivalency argument. I did a podcast after the Quebec uh, uh, shootings happened at the mosque, where you had six Muslims who were killed uh, apparently for a hate crime. And uh, yes, we need to rally around uh, those individuals who are attacked because of who they are. We can't let the terrorists change who we are in the West, which is a melting pot that is based on an idea of freedom and does not is blind to religion, race, and, and ideas. But the concept of Islamophobia, as Rahil laid out, is the racialization of an idea. Islam is an idea. And the best way to melt away bigotry, I mean, any of us who are active in this will acknowledge that there is palpable bigotry that exists in the West against Muslims. But it is nowhere near the problem level of what global political Islam is that runs massive republics like Iran, Saudi Arabia, Pakistan, are Islamic republics run by Sharia law, that you can't do the moral equivalency to say that a deranged supremacist on a subway in Portland or a guy who shoots up a mosque in Quebec is of the same level of threat to societal peace of freedom as these global Islamic supremacists where Islam is in that time in history that the West was in the 15th, 16th century. So the two things are not comparable. And last, Roy, if you want, we as Muslims want to melt away that bigotry, the best way to do it is for the West to see us lead the fight against jihad, to be the reformers, to say that, you know what, if you want to win this war, we have to be your best assets and lead that. That's the best way to do it, not to exaggerate the victimization and make us into sort of this weak, inferiority complex group that has to be protected then allows that one Islamic message from Saudi Arabia to dominate who we are as Muslims. We're going to come back and, and, and talk some more. And, and one of the things I want, one of the issues I want to raise with you is what we've talked about. Uh, we talked about it yesterday, had a tremendous amount of response to it. And this was after Manchester. And, uh, and we had some, we talked about it some earlier today. And that we have a prime minister in Justin Trudeau who in 2015 said uh, at a meeting in Winnipeg, and there was some nervous laughter when he said what he said, but to paraphrase the prime minister, he said that uh, no uh, convicted terrorist, no terrorist is going to lose uh, his or her, I suppose, Canadian citizenship if they're naturalized Canadians. 
And uh, he's that's his message, and the Liberal Party will follow him, and he will take on anybody who challenges him on this. Now, this is at a time after Manchester got us thinking about Zachariah Amara, who was the leader of the Toronto 18, and their plan was to explode a truck bomb in downtown Toronto. He was then going to escape to Afghanistan, and Trudeau is returning the citizenship, Canadian citizenship, to this individual, and he says because he feels so strongly about it, no one will have their citizenship revoked. We'll come back with more with Dr. Zudi Jasser and uh, with Raheel Raza on The Roy Green Show on the Coros Radio Network. Think you can swim with the sharks? Talk with Mr. Great White himself, Roy Green. The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Emails to Roy at RoyGreenShow.com, Twitter at the Roy Green Show. You'll see that I uh, I tweeted just tweeted that uh, Raheel Raza and uh, Dr. Zudi Jasser with their 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 Twitter handles are there are are my guests. Um, Raheel, let me just read a, a few lines from your column, and then I want to tie that in with what Trudeau has said about citizenship and convicted terrorists. You wrote, uh, again, the single most effective weapon the enemy uses is Islamophobia. So if we ask tough questions, it's not acceptable. If we want to know the reasons why jihadists are killing our children, they call it Islamophobia. So essentially, dialogue and discussion around the ideology surrounding a global jihadist insurgency are not welcome because we now live in a world where political correctness is the norm and word police are out to get you if you go over the prescribed limit on word usage. So, we have a prime minister who says, terrorists will not lose their citizenship. We have a motion before Canada's parliament which seeks to protect religion but will defend against Islamophobia. Of course, there's no definition of what Islamophobia is. We know that the MPs will come back supporting that motion. Putting all that together, do we have a potential scenario where the West could lose this entire, what's been called, generational conflict, Rahil? I do believe so, but I want to come back to your critical question about uh, Canadian citizenship being granted to, to terrorists. You know, as a proud Canadian citizen, I find it extremely offensive that the value of Canadian citizenship is so cheapened that it comes without a sense of responsibility. To me, Canadian citizenship is about loyalty to the land in which we live and about uh, concern about the safety and security of this land that we call home and which is the home of my children and my grandchildren. And terrorists are not concerned about the safety and security. In fact, they are a threat to the safety and security of this land. So for our prime minister to say that they will be granted back their citizenship is so offensive. Uh, And of course, uh, this brings us back into this whole idea of losing our freedoms, losing our liberties. I mean, this is why uh, my family and I came to Canada is so that we could embrace the values of freedom of speech, freedom of expression, a liberal, small l, liberal democracy, gender equality. And all that is at stake now because our freedoms are being challenged. Um, I mean, are we living in a police state where people can't talk about Islam and Muslims? I question that. Zudi, your thoughts on what's going on in the United States? Well, I think it's it's really... uh... Uh, you know, Raheel really hit the nail on the head in that 
we have the citizenship issue is at the core. And if you're going to begin a program for national security, it has to get to this issue, not just of counterviolence, which is too vague and actually ends up being this needle in a haystack where you're waiting for that moment when people appear to be violent. But we need to have programs where the government, nonprofits, uh, NGOs, et cetera, start to look at what it means to be American, what it means to be Canadian. And until we start to reinvigorate our youth into being loyal, not only about loyalty, but loving and having passion for this country and wanting to join the military, the Brits need to look at why. If you look at the numbers, there were more British Muslims serving in Syria and the jihad, something between 500 to 1,000, than serving in their own military. And there are some studies that have, have given those numbers. And that makes me think, as not only someone who served, but with kids who I'm trying to uh, teach about Islam and coming to terms with being American, we are. that is the generational battle of our time. Because once we come to terms with what it means to be American for our youth, and then we'll be able to defeat the ideas of political Islam and its global jihad, because the jihadists inspire by telling Muslim youth that they would rather die for loyalty to the global jihad than anything else. We can only defeat that not by telling our youth that that's bad, but by giving them some other passion that they'd rather die for. And until the left and the right come together, rather than using us as a wedge, but come together to say that we need to unite to teach our youth that they would know nothing else they'd rather die for than being Canadian and serving this country, uh, we're never going to get close to coming to terms with the threat. Raheel, I can't identify anybody who would steward that argument. I'm sorry, who would? Who would? I can't identify anybody on the Canadian horizon who would be willing to steward that argument. I, I just see, I primarily see people who, if you raise the issue, who just want to run away from, uh, from dealing with it. Well, we have to keep trying. We've got a new leadership now. Let's see what we find. I, mean, I never give up hope. I'm an eternal no. optimist. Yeah. And I think that that is something that is extremely important um, as we move ahead. And let me add to what uh, Dr. Jasser has said that, you know, this is not a Muslim-only problem. We have to deal with this in Canada as a Canadian issue, as a Canadian problem. In America, it is an American problem. We are looking at a global jihadist insurgency. So the, you know, entire world, literally, especially in the West, has to come together. Right. And we have to fight this together. Thank you both so very much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk again. Thank you, Raheel Raza. Thank you, uh, Dr. Zudi Jasser. Thank you. Anytime. Thank you. Roy Green Show on the Corliss Radio Network. When we come back, I'm fully expecting that we'll be joined by Andrew Scheer, the new progressive or the new conservative party leader. I almost said, I almost said that a couple of times in the last two days. The new conservative party leader of Canada. He was on the air with us yesterday. I called one of the only one candidate to come on the show yesterday. It's because I had a premonition. Just call me the Oracle. <laughs>